This podcast was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Wadawurrung people, and we pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hi, you're listening to Ingridopedia, a food fight podcast, but we don't sling burgers and pies. We sling interesting facts, uses, recipes, and stories about one particular ingredient. I am Ben Birchall, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Naismith. Hello, Em. Hello. I'm so excited to be talking about ice cream. I can't believe we've done 50-something episodes, and it hasn't even um, come into my mind that it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a it's a bit of a cheat yeah, ingredient because it's it made of other things. Yeah. But I think, you know, I will at least prove that it can be a single ingredient mm. in some points. And I'm, I'm kind of doing like cooking of it, like not using it as an ingredient, but <laughs> yeah. like making it. Okay. So I mean like if you can cook whatever, with it. don't write in, like whatever, <laughs> we're allowed to do whatever we want. Just let us talk God. about ice cream, go away. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nah, keep like... listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ben, I want to talk about one of my favorite ice creams I've had this year. Mm-hmm. And I want you to try and guess what it was mm. within three guesses. And I'll give you three <laughs> clues, one for each guess. Okay, all right. So first one is it's kind of a weird flavor for ice cream. Okay. Vegemite. No. It's snacky. Hmm. Does it have a potato chip involved? I can't answer that. Okay. (laughs) Um, Is it salt and vinegar chip ice cream? No. But it's kind of close. It's cheesy. Ah, cheese and onion chip ice cream. Ooh, ice cream. That sounds good, but no, it's Cheezel's Gelato. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. So this was a special flavor done by Gelato Papa in Fairfield. And one of my friends, Sophie, tagged me in the post when it was released. They did this like party food collection of ice creams and I couldn't stop thinking about it until I tried it. <laughs> and now post trying it, I still can't stop thinking about it. Um, so to describe it for you, it was like this pale yellowy color. Yeah. Very creamy and smooth looking, no chunks at all, no bits, um, arranged perfectly in a ball on a cone. Um, and then taste-wise, very confusing. Mm. Um, confusing in a delicious way. <laughs> so it was kind of like when you finish a bag of cheesels and there's all like the cheesels dust in the corners yeah. and you lick up the cheesels dust, but then the bag, it's like the bag is made of delicious ice cream (laughs) um so yeah it was unmistakably cheesels flavor but i knew it was cheesels and i remember thinking if i didn't know this was cheesels i don't know if i could pick it but it wasn't one of those weak special flavors that's like oh there's like a hint of cheesels in here somewhere it was like no this is cheesels it was upfront cheesels but it was just like the alchemy of it was yeah breaking your brain yeah 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 very um yeah, it broke my brain, but it was very a, a cheesels forward gelato. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Would you be keen for cheesels ice cream? I would be, I mean, as you describe, like the, the, the dusting of like cheesel at the bottom of the bag, mm. like 
that is like God tier MSG goodness. Mm. So yeah, I'd be up for it. Okay. Well, unfortunately, it was a limited edition flavor. <laughs> I was hoping <laughs> that's what you're hiding. Ago. You're hiding under the. Oh. Uh, under the under the uh, tea towel over yeah. there. Yeah. Well, you know? I okay. I I didn't want you to miss out, so I tried to make my own version <laughs> oh, okay. for you to try. <laughs> Are we going to get sued by Gelato Papa? Is he going to oh. come after us? Well, I've actually been in contact with Gelato oh, Papa, okay. and they've helped me. Oh, okay. Um, they've given me intel on this. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm in no way saying it's as good as theirs. Obviously, okay. this is. I I've had no experience making ice cream. I've never done it before. <laughs> Um, so I asked the lovely Lily at Gelato Papa how she made her delicious version. And she said it was made with a fior de latte or milk kind of base. Mm-hmm. She kind of made the base and then infused it with cheesels. Then it was cooked and cooled to four degrees and churned. And so she suggested for like a home version that I add the cheesels to the warm gelato base. And I didn't even know how you make gelato at all. But yeah, you warm up the ingredients like the milk and the Mm. sugar and the cream. So I did that, but I also bashed three quarters of a bag of cheesels uh, with a mortar and pestle and added it to the pot, stirred it, took it off the heat. That's when I added the cream, put it in the fridge, cooled it to four degrees and then... Borrowed my mum's ice cream machine that I've never used yep. and cleaned the ice cream off it that had been there since <laughs> the 90s. Um, so process-wise, this is where things kind of went awry. Um, so let me say the mixture was very thick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something in the cheesels, obviously the corn perhaps yeah. or the cornstarch yep. was like a thickener type thing and... Yep. It wasn't pouring into the machine like I watched on the videos. I was <laughs> jamming it in with a spoon. <laughs> um, and it got like 20 seconds of churning before it shut off because it was too thick. Took over by hand. No idea what I'm doing. Trying to film it at the same time. Absolutely anxiety <laughs> through the roof because I didn't have any more cheesels. Um, and it kind of looked like gelato, so I stopped then. So this is what I've got. Okay. Pleasant orange, almost peachy colour. You would say. Okay. It's not at all sweet, really. No. Well, I put two tablespoons of sugar. Yeah. So it's got enough sweet. And a bag of cheesels. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, um, it's really good though. Yeah. Like it's got. It's got a bit of umami going on. It's got like a, yeah, it's not overly sweet. It's creamy. Mm. It's got a little bit of crunch through mm. it, like a kind of like, I want to say graininess, but not in an mm. unpleasant way. I think I put too many cheesels. Like it's very cheesily. It tastes like cheesels. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. I'm all about this. Well, I was thinking eating it with a spoon is good, but what mm. about if we put it inside a cheese? Okay. Cheesel gelato in a cheesel. Okay. Something going on. It's like intensifying all the flavors. So that was the most cheesily cheesel I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Cheeselception. <laughs> Cheeselception. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I reckon Cheezel's gelato, obviously better at gelato papa made by experts. Sure. But still good DIY. Very good DIY. Especially when inserted into a Cheezel. Mm. But without as well, I'm just going back in. <laughs> Emily, cup or cone? Cone, always. Okay, good. Because well, it's delicious. Yeah. And like waste with the cup but yeah if you if you can get a free cone like why would you not want more food if you're paying for it yeah yeah i mean i think it's also like you do it with one hand whereas with yeah. a cup you need a spoon yeah and when you've got a toddler mm. you need you need all the hands you can get um do you know where the ice cream cone came from no i don't okay this is a story from time magazine it's refuted but let's just go with it the most commonly accepted origin story states that the ice cream cone was invented at the 1904 world's fair also known as the Louisiana Purchase Exposition. Here's an aside. There are claims that the hamburger and hot dog, peanut butter, iced tea and cotton candy were invented for the 1904 World's Fair. It's probably more likely that these foods were just popularized at the fair. Dr. Pepper and puffed wheat cereal were also first introduced to a national mm. audience at the 1904 World's Fair. I feel like fair. you've covered something like this before. Was it not the Louisiana one? It was something else. Uh, no, I think it was this one. I think um, it was... Uh, Maybe uh, it was hamburger related. Yeah. Yeah. But back to ice cream. Mm. The story states that Syrian immigrant Ernest Hamwi was making zalabia, which is a wafer dessert next to an ice cream stand. And according to some records, Hamwi suggested that they combine forces and boom, the ice cream cone was born. So the real story might not be so neat. uh, And there is pictorial evidence of cafe patrons in Paris eating from cone-shaped objects as early as 1807. But really, it's not important how the ice cream cone was invented. It's important that the ice cream cone was invented because the alternatives in 1904 were not great. So this is from Gastro Obscura. Uh, Ice cream began to achieve widespread popularity in England in the mid-1800s. Before the invention of the cone, ice cream vendors, or jacks, Mm. served scoops in cups called penny licks. These small glasses were designed especially for ice cream. Their bottom heavy build kept them stable as Jack's paddled peaks of frozen cream on top and their conical shape and thick glass obscured the magnitude of their content. So even the tiniest dollop of ice cream appeared bountiful. During the Penny Licks day, Englishmen had little conception of germs. After finishing their ice cream, customers handed back their well-licked Penny Lick. You know where this is going, right? (laughs) And the next customer ate from the same cup. Because of the conical openings, Jacks couldn't keep the narrow point clean if they tried. And Penny Licks oh. became the perfect vessel for transmitting disease. That's worse than those curly straws you had as a kid that you just <laughs> could never clean. That is truly, truly rancid. As tuberculosis swept the nation, the medical community pointed at ice cream vendors. An 1879 English medical report blamed a cholera outbreak on the reuse of glassware. And fear of tuberculosis led the City of London to ban Penny Licks in 1899. Some undeterred ice cream vendors used the unsanitary serving cups until they were more widely banned in the 1920s and 30s. The good news is it wasn't just tuberculosis and cholera because ice cream plays a part in the story of Typhoid Mary. Have you heard about Typhoid Mary before? No. So Typhoid Mary uh, or Mary Mallon uh, is an infamous medical case study. So she was an Irish immigrant and domestic servant working in New York at the turn of the 20th century. And she's thought to have infected between 51 and 122 people with typhoid fever. The infections caused three confirmed deaths with unconfirmed estimates of up to 50. 
she just stealing the ice cream? Uh, well, she was the first person in the United States identified as an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid. Oh. She didn't know she had it. Uh, she kept working. Uh, and as a domestic servant, she infected family after family after family. Okay. She was a cook in the kitchen and her highly demanded specialty. No. Fresh peach ice cream. Well, not fresh. Other people have been <laughs> licking the glass, but yeah. <laughs> so this is an article from a blog called SciBabe. Uh, SCI, like science. Mellon admittedly almost never washed her hands when she worked. To be fair, hand washing wasn't yet standard practice for handling food, so she wasn't really to blame for an industry wide behavior. Microbes being as sneaky as they are, the lack of hand washing meant she transported just enough poop particles from the bathroom to, to the peaches. If she'd just washed her hands. Dirty bitch. If she'd been living in a time when wearing gloves to handle food was standard, if she worked in any other field other than food service. But she didn't. Her unwashed hands would have been far less of a problem if she was preparing something you cook to hell because heat kills the bacteria. But Salmonella can survive the cold, and Mallon's signature peach ice cream transmitted the disease with quiet efficiency. And this is backed up by uh, Dr. Carl Kruzelniski writing for the ABC. He says, ice cream is an ideal incubator for salmonella typhi or the typhoid germs, basically, because it's both rich in fat, which is good food for the bacteria, and not cooked so they don't get killed. So 50 deaths later and a few t tuberculosis outbreaks, we thank germ theory and Ernest Humwe, the inventor of the ice cream cone. Wow, and Mary, get your filthy paws off my Cheezels ice cream, okay? That shit is pure. I mean, that is pure. That is A-grade, A-grade gelato, okay? Mmm, taste the typhoid. So as a kid, I ate a lot of Neapolitan ice cream. Mm -hmm. um, what was lurking in your freezer as a kid, um, ice cream-wise? Ice cream-wise, usually just a big... One of those big old blue tubs of, mm. of vanilla. So aside from that, if you're eating just the standard vanilla ice cream, did you ever add anything to it? Uh, yeah, like Milo. We yeah. didn't normally have oh. topping. Like we weren't allowed mm. to have like, you know, Cotty's topping. Mm. Milo was a big one. Every now and again, maybe if we were really lucky, we'd have like maybe some ice magic, but it did not last long, let me tell you. That is exactly what I want to talk about. Oh, I want no to way. talk about ice magic. <laughs> I was the same. We didn't have it all the time, but when we did have it, my God, it was magical. <laughs> it was it a very is, fun time. It is genuinely magic. Um, so, yeah, if you don't know, ice magic is the squeezy bottle of chocolate topping that you squeeze on top of your ice cream and it sets hard like a rock. I think there was a TV ad where they squeeze it on and just like instantly turns hard and then they hit it with the back of a spoon and yeah. it goes like... Um, so I want to find out two things regarding ice magic. Mm -hmm. One, how does it work? Is it really magic? Two, does it still stack up as an adult? Okay. So to give you a bit of background, ice magic, I've got some here, is actually an Australian invention. Is it? Yeah. It's like so, hypercolor. Yeah. Well, I thought like the cochlear implant was the best thing we've yeah. ever done, but <laughs> wow. thank you, Cotties. Um, so how does it work? Interestingly, in America, it's called um, magic shell, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, because I guess it creates like a shell. So that shell effect is because there's coconut oil and sunflower oil, both of which contains, um, both of which contain high amounts of saturated fat, plus there's also sugar in here as well. And so that 
combination apparently produces a mixture which is solid at higher temperatures mm. than would otherwise be the case with normal ice cream topping. As far as I'm going to get into the science, I don't even understand that. So <laughs> the real question is, does it stack up 25 years or 25 years later? I approximately, I think the last time I had it was when I was about 10. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, and does it stack up 35 years later? Let's, let's ask that one. <laughs> that's, that's the real question. Um, okay. So I'm going to, I've got some ice cream here. I thought we wouldn't go with the Cheezles one because. Oh, you don't want to mess with that, right? And also, I don't know about the combination of chocolate and cheesels. I'm nervous. Nice magic going on to the ice. And we should say you've gone for it like an already chocolatey ice yeah. cream as well. So, so it doesn't look hard yet. It's taking a lot longer than the ad I remember <laughs> from the 90s. To be fair, and because we are in mm. a, in a, we're not in a in an industrial kitchen the ice cream wasn't like frozen hard so it might just take a little bit longer i think i Mm. think we need to give ice magic magic let's give the magic some chance Mm -hmm. give the magic a chance (laughs) it's not running no but you can tell it's like it's hardening. It's hardening. It's when it loses its shine. Mm. That's when it, you're. That's when the magic has happened. I feel like I want to tap it soon. I. I just think you need to hold off. <laughs> kids aren't. Kids don't have this patience. No. Especially these days with, you know, TikTok and whatever else. There. Okay, we're heading up to a, a minute and thirty four seconds since pour. Don't tap. Oh, she's going in. Listener, she's going in. She can't. Mm -hmm. She. Should I? It's not ready. It's not ready. A minute 50. Does it say on the, on the bottle how long you should leave it for? Yeah, good point. Um, or shake well before you, so I didn't do that. (laughs) Um. User error. Yeah. It says 30 seconds. Oh no. Doesn't say how long. That's if ice magic hardens in the bottle, place in microwave with no. it open for thirty seconds. Okay. It was okay out of the bottle. No, it's going. It's going. It's losing its shine. Yeah, it's mattifying. Yeah. <sighs> I really want to tap it. Two minutes. That's enough. This is. <laughs> All right. This has gone on too okay. long. Ready? Yeah. Wasn't ready, was it? Oh, it still works. It tapped. It's, it's even got that cr- even cracking cracked. like. Okay, and does it stack up as an adult taste wise? Mm. Okay, well, the ice cream is particularly good. I can't really separate the chocolate <laughs> from that. Let me just try a bit of the ice magic. Not as hard as I remember. Mm. Still magical. Like, look at that. That's, that's vertical. Yeah. That's breaking all the rules of physics yeah. right there. Yeah. That's science. Congratulations, Connie. You still have the, the best, inc- uh, the best um, invention that Australia can put its name to. Still got it. <laughs> okay. Emily, you have a fear of 
deep frying that you're yeah. working through at the moment. I'm getting better. Yeah. yeah. And as much as this podcast is basically um, free, ther- free therapy for M. <laughs> Not th- the most helpful therapy, but yeah, <laughs> go on. Um, I feel like I need some therapy sometimes oh, as well. Okay. I have a fear of baking. Really? Yeah. I can't. I. It's similar to your fear of deep frying. I, because I'm a free form cook. Like I very rarely okay. cook to a recipe. I don't care for the science of food and baking is science. Like mm. it's all about reactions. It's a chemical reaction between the, you know, the starch or the flour and the liquid and, you know, does the egg harden it? All mm. those kind of things. Um, it scares me and I get it wrong constantly. And so I tend not to do it. Um, but if I find an easy, easy trick, I will take it. And I want to talk to you about this easy trick mm-hmm. um, because what I, what I look for is doesn't take too long, mm-hmm. doesn't have too many steps, has very few ingredients, like maybe even two ingredients. Wow. So okay. let me tell you about this two ingredient ice cream bread uh, that I found on a website called Spruce Eats. It's two cups of melted ice cream. Yeah. One and a half cups of self-raising flour. That's it. That is it. You mix them together. You don't work it too hard. You use yeah. a, a rubber spatula so you're not kind of overworking the, the glutens in the flour. And oh, look, I have to admit, I did use some uh, sprinkles or hundreds and thousands to, to church it up if you want to do mm. that. So, okay, three oh. ingredients. Wow, going all out. Um, and so, yeah, I mixed it up and I was like, yeah, that looks like batter, like it looks like batter. It tasted like batter. Um, but I, I had been reading the reviews and I realized that it's cakey, but it's not cake. It is called ice cream bread. And sometimes it is called two ingredient ice cream cake. This one was called two ingredient ice cream bread. So it's kind of like banana bread in its consistency. Mm. And what do you do with bread? You make yeah. a sandwich. Okay. <laughs> uh, and Emily, I craftily asked you this week for your favorite sandwich toppings. Um, Ham and Dijon mustard was one. Yeah. Uh, roast chicken, butter and salt was another. I didn't think either of those would work so well with the two ingredient ice cream bread. But one of them uh, that you nominated was peanut butter and jam. So, oh, I'm so glad Emily, I you five. Emily, I've made options. you a sandwich <gasps> using so two ingredient ice cream bread, peanut butter and ballerine, uh, strawberry and uh, I think it's strawberry and balsamic vinegar. Okay. Jam. Should I eat it? Yeah. It looks, um, it looks like a cake. Like I, when I saw these, I thought they were a little like fairy cake. Yeah, the kind of. I mean, they do have that vibe. I mean, if this is a sandwich that I'm pulling out at school, that would <laughs> instantly top of the. I class. was gonna make it in a in a loaf tin, but I actually didn't have that much uh, ice cream in the freezer. I th- I also thought I wouldn't cheat. I would just use mm. whatever ice cream. So it was vanilla ice cream that I used. Yeah. Some of the um. Recipes say use use whatever ice cream you've got. Yeah. Use your Maggie beer, burnt fig, if you want. I didn't have any Don't of that. Don't ruin that. Mmm. <laughs> I know what you mean about it not being cakey. Because it's not sweet, really. It's not super sweet. No. Um, but it's really nice. It's a bit... It was maybe a bit dry. Yeah. Um, 
And I reckon, but I mean, for two ingredients. Yeah, for two ingredients, pretty great. I'd probably have a play with it, play with some of the, um, some of the quantities a little mm. bit next time. And I guess it's not super fluffy, but you get that with like egg and stuff. Well, yeah. I guess the ice cream might have egg, depending on what uh, you use. Potentially, but, but yeah, it's usually way. just the the like the egg is sort of the vessel for how much mm. air you can get into the, the mix, and so it doesn't have that. This is the bottom of a jar of peanut butter, isn't it? It's not. It's very dry. It's pigs, isn't it? <laughs> it's very dry. <laughs> yeah. I would okay. This it's would a little be dry. Neighbors. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't. Again, I didn't have. But um, it's very good. Like. It's also. I made it last night. Mm. When it was warm, I, I had one piece where I just buttered it, and it was warm, and the butter melted mm. into it. That was pretty good. But yeah, that's your. PB and J two ingredient ice cream bed bread sandwich that I invented for you. Oh well, thank you, and thank you for um, facing your fears for the podcast. That's what it's all about. Yeah, apparently. I think you did well. Then I want to talk magnums. Oh, okay. What are you choosing if you had to choose a magnum? I tend to just go your like vanilla. Yeah. Straight up. Or yeah. maybe uh, like almond is pretty good as well because yeah. you get the vanilla ice cream, but it's got a bit of crunch. It does go well together. Um, well, I'm an ego gal traditionally. Um, I don't think they make them at the moment, but yeah, it's the one with two chocolate layers on the outside with caramel in the middle. And my preferred way of eating it is eating off the first layer of chocolate, licking off all the caramel, <laughs> then having your standard magnum. Um, but my fondest magnum memories are about the special range the Magnum Seven Deadly Sins. Mm. Do you remember this? I vaguely do, yeah. It yeah. was 2003. Life was good. <laughs> I was in high school. It was a few years. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely high school. It was a few years before the global financial crisis. And yep. Streets, the company that makes Magnum, was going large mm. product and advertising budget-wise. They were really throwing everything at it. So there was a different Magnum for each of the Seven Deadly Sins. They were released one by one over a few months. Huge ad campaign. I think there was a different TV ad for every flavor, mm, yeah. plus like a huge big one with all of them. There was like a competition element, like a liquor prize type thing where you collect the sticks from the ice cream and you send them in to get a T-shirt, which being the absolute slave to ice cream and advertising I got. Um, so the flavors, let me go through them all. <laughs> Um, and listen, so okay. you can tell me which one you are okay. or which one you choose. Magnum Greed, Dark Chocolate and Tiramisu. Mm. Magnum Jealousy, Chocolate Covered Pistachio with Pistachio Chunks in Chocolate. Maybe, keep going. Magnum Gluttony, Ice Cream Double Dipped in Milk and White Chocolate. Yeah, yep, I do. I'm a sucker for white chocolate. Magnum Lust is strawberry and vanilla. So that was just vanilla ice cream with a pink chocolate yeah, outer. No. I liked that one because it was pink, but yeah, I wouldn't choose that these days. Magnum Revenge, vanilla ice cream streaked with bright red swirls of cherry and a dark chocolate shell. Well, no, not that one, but mainly because Revenge is not one of the seven deadly sins, is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like pride, envy... Gluttony. I don't uh, know. I think one of them. Yeah. Don't okay. fact check right. like the best thing in my life. <laughs> fact checking Magnum. Um, um, magnum Sloth. Vanilla ice cream with a caramel core with a milk chocolate and peanut shell. Mm -hmm. That sounds very good. 
that's what I would go. Sure. And then Magnum Vanity, which is white chocolate and champagne ripple, studded with those silver sugar balls. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was like a mirror, like you know, vanity. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah, got it. Got it. So you'd go the the gluttony. I guess gluttony. That's yeah. like so boring. <laughs> Sorry. Ice cream double dipped in milk and white chocolate. Okay. Well, I'd go Magnum Sloth. Um, anyway, I don't think you can overstate the grip hole. Okay, you want to fact check? You looked it up, didn't you? Uh, wrath. It's not revenge. It's wrath. I don't. Th- I think uh, we've worked in advertising. Yeah. You'd have that conversation. Like yeah. people don't hey, know what wrath. Can I call it wrath? <laughs> hey, let's workshop it. Like, yeah. let's just make up the. Like, don't worry about the Greco-Roman antecedents. No. They don't. They don't scan on the pack. Let's spend three months like working out what the other <laughs> one is and charge the client hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, I get it. Um. So I don't think you can um, overstate the grip hold this campaign had on my family. Mm. My mum sped <laughs> down to the milk bar every time a new flavour was released and brought it back for all of us. My sister was writing about them in her diary. I'll put the picture up on Instagram. Your but family is why advertising was invented. I know, I know. <laughs> um, so my sister wrote like um, with gel pen like about Magnum in like purple and pink um handwriting and i was collecting the sticks so i could parade around in a magnum branded t-shirt it was an intense time do you still have the t-shirt i don't think so no um it was an intense time and it was a happy time so i would like to start a petition for the range to come back because i need something like this in my life i think my family needs it to be honest (laughs) bring you together yeah so to the big dogs at streets who are listening, please, please bring back the seven deadly sins for my family's enjoyment and my own personal mental health. Thank you. This has been a bit of a therapy episode. We talked about, you know, my fear of baking, mm. your family's need for <laughs> Magnum seven deadly sins to come back to bring them together. Um, well, not I, to bring them together, just more to like... To bring you together, okay? Okay, okay. <laughs> it, made my, it made my introduction to this fact work. Um, because I want to take you back a few years to the depth of Melbourne lockdown in 2020. Oh, man. I'm sorry. We touched on it with it. Well, we didn't, but I was, I was going there already with all this typhoid yeah. and hand-washing stuff. Yeah. And how you was, just like... Maybe, yeah, I was taking you there. Now I want to take you right there. Because, okay, p- take your mind back. Uh, and if you're not from Melbourne, um, I could describe it for you. Mm. The streets were empty. Um, for me, the almost oceanic hum of Bell Street, the main road just up the road from my house, was silenced. It was kind of eerie. But like right in the depth of those lockdowns, a sound started piercing the silence one afternoon. The thin, reedy, slightly distorted sound of green sleeves. Yes, it I was, love that sound. It was an ice cream van. <laughs> um, and the I'd first forgotten... song I learned on the piano. Yeah, well, it's, Makes it's, sense. It's a classic. Um, King Henry VIII knew what he was doing. We'll talk about that. Um, uh, I'd forgotten about it. I, I came across this uh, an article by a Melbourne writer named Vin Maskell who wrote it for The Big Issue. Um, and he ha- has dived deep into ice cream truck culture. Um, and the, the bit I really liked about it was um, he dived deep into just how a 16th century English folk song purportedly written by King Henry VIII for the second of his six wives, Anne Boleyn, became the sound of ice cream vans in Australia still in 2023. So is this only an Australian thing? Australia, New Zealand, 
and England, but we'll get into that. Okay. So as an aside, music historians note that Greensleeves, which was registered in 1580, was based on an Italian style of composition that did not reach England until after King Henry's death in 1547. So maybe he didn't write it. It's a good story. Yeah. That, that's Greensleeves. Um, well, I can't fact check it, so <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't even know what to so Google. Vin, Vin Maskell's done it for us. Thank you, Vin. Um, but... To answer your question, Greensleeves isn't the song all around the world. In the US, you're just as likely to hear Scott Joplin's The Entertainer. You know the song? Oh, yeah. Do you learn that one? Yep. And in France, you might have Frere Jacques, which I guess makes sense, French song. But in England, New Zealand and Australia, you're likely to hear Greensleeves. And why it's the same here as it is in the UK is down to one simple reason. Mr. Whippy Vans, as they're colloquially known in Australia, actually came from the UK. Uh, so this is from Vin's article. Across Australia, ice cream vans are commonly known as Mr. Whippy Vans, regardless of their official business name. This stems from 1962, when the British-based Mr. Whippy franchise sent 10 vans on a ship from Southampton to Sydney. 12 months later, another two dozen vans were sent to Australia. And that was such a hit that, um, you know, obviously there was enough demand. So after a year to double the amount, um, that, that were here and they, and they spread throughout Australia, people wrote songs about them. Uh, the B-side of John Farnham's single One was a song called Mr. Whippy. Aww. It's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but our thoughts do go out to Whispering Jack. Um, so during the 1970s, the Mr. Whippy company decided to sell its ice cream via its own shops rather than from its fleet of vans. And within a few years, the company had sold off the last of its vehicles. But... The name colloquially mm. lived on and there's a lot of them you'll see they're called like Mr. Whippy with like three E's or, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's not a lot Mrs. of copyright. Whippy. Yeah, like <laughs> Madam Whippy. Um, and these, yeah, uh, all of these transported English Mr. Whippy bands and the copies of them played green sleeves. And um, the reason for that is that the founder of Mr. Whippy bands, Englishman Dom- Dominic Facchino, was apparently just a fan of King Henry VIII. So when Mr. Facchino was looking for a tune to herald the imminent arrival of Mr. Whippy Vans in local streets, he settled upon the tune that was long credited to the notorious king, wrongly as it happens. So our ice cream vans and the soundtrack are the result of a patriotic English ice cream truck owner not actually looking into history. Maybe also John Farnham. So thank you, Whispering Jack. Uh, And yeah, King Henry VIII, maybe for being a romantic dude. So what did you get that day when um, you heard Mr. Whippy in lockdown? Uh, Choc dipped, uh, soft serve. Yeah. Okay. Always. I never get that. I always get the rainbow gelato. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah. Without chocolate. Because I feel like the chocolate ruins the flavor of all the fruit. But I'm second guessing myself mm. now. It's always soft serve for me. Always. Mm, 100% okay. of the time. Okay. Well, <laughs> sometimes I hear it and it's not that song. I'm like, can you, can you stick to what we know? Maybe can they're getting you play the hits. <laughs> maybe, maybe Henry VIII's lawyers are onto them. <laughs> okay, what did we talk about? I made cheesel's gelato. It was delicious. I talked about typhoid Mary, tuberculosis, and ice cream cones. I doubled in ice magic and it's still pretty good. Still got it. I made the two ingredient ice cream bread PB&J sandwich. And I petitioned for streets to bring back the Magnum Seven Deadly Sins. My God, it was good. And I looked at why 
Australian ice cream vans play green sleeves. So you can vote for whose facts you thought were most interesting. Um, we're going to post a Instagram poll on Ingredipedia about a week after this episode goes up. So yeah, jump on there and vote for Ben or I. Um, yeah. Sorry, Ben's like Please. lost everyone Please. for like ages. So. I need yeah, this. It's really embarrassing. I need him. it. <laughs> I need it. And if you have any ingredient ideas of what you want us to cover in the future, let us know by DM or on ingredipedia.com.au. See you next time. See ya. Thank you.